Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. Welcome to Fear the Watching Dead. It's the officially unofficial podcast for AMC's Fear the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is... Jim, as usual. Sorry, I slid into orange and new black mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, your, that's the intro you're familiar each, with. So. Each and every week, yeah. uh, he's joining me this week for episode 102, So Close Yet So Far. Mm-hmm. Which that's is, a pretty ballsy name. Which is not, not the adjective I would use to describe the success of this episode. Hmm. Far away and and seemingly getting further. I completely disagree. Okay, totally 100%. Well, let's spend a couple a couple minutes yeah. up front talking about this. There's a couple okay. things I want to talk about before we get started. I need to make a couple of general announcements. One is, and I just found this out. Fear the Walking Dead is taking a hiatus right in the middle of its run here. Yeah, uh, AMC's website says it will be back September 13th. You're look if you're looking for it on Sunday, it won't be there, and neither will we. Um, also, I. You did want to concern anyone. I know we didn't have our instant cast. That's because we uh, were, me and Jim were both on vacation and we actually didn't get back till really late Sunday night. So mm-hmm. uh, when Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead comes back, we will have our instant take and our live watches as normal, but we didn't have them for that one week. Yeah. So uh, anyone is wondering, you know, what the hell was going on with that? that that's, that's the story. Uh, we talked about audience. We're curious about to seeing whether this would start off at the dizzying heights of The Walking Dead, and mm-hmm. it did not. It got ten million for the pilot episode. Uh, the second episode debuted to eight million, which seems like a steep drop off, but that's kind of what happens. But ten million for a pilot of a show is the biggest airing, the biggest premiere ever on television. Yes, on cable. Yes, but when its parent show has eighteen million plus. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons. It's not Halloween. We always talk about how critical the October airing of The Walking Dead is to its success. It's still summer. It's a week, you know, it's weeks leading up to Labor Day. People are going back to school. Blah, blah, blah. Lots of reasons why, but I thought it was interesting. It if, sounds if you'd ask me, me I, was the, I, I would guess for like 14 million ish, which is still a come down from the core audience, but not as steep one. It sounds to me like you're saying that this is a failure. No, I'm not. I'm I think I'm this surprised. is a resounding success. I'm sure. Well, what I would love to know is what AMC was expecting. Okay. Because that's what you judge it, not, you know, If whether... they were expecting every single person who watches The Walking Dead to come over, I think they were insane. Okay. Because uh, it has had a lot more time to build on itself. There are probably a lot of people who don't even know about this show yet. Hmm considering it wasn't even announced until after The Walking Dead went off air. If you're a fan of AMC and The Walking Dead, you really think that this is off people's radar? Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're not, like, in the TV pipeline, mm-hmm. and you're just like, I watch The Walking Dead when it's on, and I wait for commercials on television to tell me that it's on, yeah, then I could see that, yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing I thought was kind of cool mm-hmm. is this kind of confirms, once and for all, the zombie timeline to the real world. If oh, you, does it? There's a scene uh, in, towards the end of the episode where Chris, Travis, and Lisa are fleeing the protest, and they run underneath a big crosswalk in fake L.A., 
and there's a banner that says LA Library Week begins August 7th, 2010. Okay. That's what we thought it was, right? I think so, but I don't think we ever had a concrete date. Hmm. So right. that's that's to begin. Well, we or maybe we speculated 2008. I mean, I don't think I, I actually think that this is maybe uh, like a June uh, or maybe even like May. Like this is an advanced because think about it. They're still in school. Mm-hmm. Does L.A. school begin in early August or before August? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. No. But anyway, it, it's within like three months, four months of it. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, let's. So do you want to talk about our differing feelings up front? Why? To me, I thought episode one had some troubling things, but it was full of promise and hope. This, I'm starting to see more patterns of stuff that's going to be annoying and bullshitty. Uh, and I see a lot more evidence of the writers and the producers ducking the questions and the interesting things I find about the zombie apocalypse and kind of yada yachting through them. Seriously? Yes, I do. I found exactly the opposite to be true. All right. Well, those are the things that concern me. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I found increasingly little to pin my hopes on. Um, hmm. In fact, the hopes I've got right now is like, well, maybe Travis is actually an asshole. Uh you know, as an explanation for some of his bizarre behavior. and Or maybe Maddie is really shell-shocked and emotionally devastated from this experience, and she's unable to do things like communicate yeah. with her inner family. Mm-hmm. So why did you like it? So I agree with some of the concerns that you have over, like, you know, the typical Walking Dead stuff, characters not talking to each other, stuff like that. Um I'm going to give it a little more time on that mm-hmm. and see if that improves because maybe, like you said, maybe well, they're shell-shocked. Sure. But the thing that I really liked about it is, like, in The Walking Dead, we got Jenner after the fact telling us, oh, yeah, here, you know, it took X amount of time for them to know what was up, for them to declare wildfire, and then it took X amount of time before we were overrun. In this, you're actually seeing that, and I think they're doing a pretty good job portraying, like, you know, the the stirrings of this being chalked up to, like, civil unrest. And yeah, I, that is a great... Like, there's a whole a bunch point. of really cool, subtle things that they're doing with the the social uh-huh. stuff around this that uh-huh. I think is really awesome. I think you're right about that. That's the, that's the coolest kind of idea, the fact that the official response, if <laughs> you buy that, the government would be less than forthcoming. And when uh-huh. I say the government, I mean, like, all levels of government, because that's obviously... You mean the man. Yeah. The man. Uh, if you buy that, the, the man would be less than forthcoming about this thing and try to keep it under wraps, which I think is an established part of the Walking Dead lore. Uh, and uh-huh. you buy that, you know, there's a lot of places that are on the cusp of civil unrest. And yeah. you add police officers just unloading clips of un- into unarmed people. I mean, and it's the kinda, tensions in L.A. between the police and the public. Yes. From like, previous events. Like, I can see that the official responses to this is actually, you, 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 it, it might be ironically the citizens themselves yeah. that undo the government's. That cause the I, chaos that yeah, causes yeah, yeah. the outbreak to be more right. uh, devastating than it should be, you know? Right. Like, I guess I'd always imagine, like, a natural disaster where it's, like, a hurricane and, like, you know, people are behind uh, sandbags yeah. and they're running for protection for... I never envisioned a scenario where the outbreak would be seen as police brutality. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. And that is a that is a really cool core idea. And I was I I meant to mention that uh, as we go through. Sure. Um, yeah, it'll come up. <laughs> yeah, but you, when you say stuff like typical Walking Dead, I guess that's what bugs me. They had five uh-huh. years plus of experience with some of this stuff, and. I know I, I saw and, and there's a there's a core p- group on the audience that will make the same argument like mm-hmm. 
you guys don't get zombie movies and you guys don't get zombie and like all this stuff. And I, uh, I, okay. I don't know at what point does, at what point does tropes become annoying? And I kind of am right to expect that maybe with years to think about this, they would come up with better ways to build tension than to have people behave in horror movie type tropes and turn those in their heads. At what point? Okay. I understand that objection. Yeah. yeah especially since I don't think this is shown as a, just a standard schlocky zombie thing. This is supposed it to be a not, yeah. drama. So yes, uh-huh. I do expect them to come up with an inventive, interesting idea to build tension and to keep people in the dark. that doesn't involve, Stuff like a mother refusing to give. I don't know. I'm just saying like, oh, my God, you're never going to believe it. Zombies rising from the grave. It's crazy. Like a simple don't go out there. It's super dangerous. People are sick. I have personally seen people act crazy and attack because of this sickness. Your Uh stepfather's seen it. Your brother's seen it. Like, you know, people are expecting there's this black and white fallacy. He's like, well, you either got to say you murdered some dude, innocent dude, or you got to say that the dead are walking the streets. Fuck no. (laughs) You can just say what happened to you. Yeah. And, you know, then if the daughter's because like that's the thing, like. The daughter running out of the house to go with her boyfriend, I you know I buy that a teenager is going to want to be with their boyfriend even yep. if they think they're, they're dead. Yep. And especially if they think they're dead and they're never going to see it again because the Romeo and Juliet bullshit. Like, I buy that. <laughs> uh-huh. So you can still do that thing. Just make the parents not look like they're hormonal idiots. Yeah, and I guess that's the, part, the thing where I don't have a problem with the teenagers being teenagers like I don't some either. reviewers do. Uh yeah, they're angsty because they're fucking teenagers. Yeah, I, they're going to act irrationally because they're fucking teenagers. I like, do think it's a problem that every single teenager Tobias is shown not. is some kind of inept douche. Tobias? Well, Tob- Tobias is like a different kind of inept douche. You can tell he's socially awkward and he doesn't fit in. And sure. Like, isn't that kind of insulting that to if I was a teenager watching this, that you're either a social outcast that spends too much time on the internet and you're magically validated by the zombie apocalypse, mm-hmm. or you're an idiot, hmm. or you're a drug addict. Maybe it's a symptom of them not having any teenage writers. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but everyone's been, like, I don't know, It's I know, everyone's been through as a teenager, but yet when you get to a certain age... You just assume that all teenagers are douchey. Well, you look back on your own life and sure. you say, I and was a shameful. douche. Yeah, I was. I did and a lot I would of... say that about myself, too. Sure, <laughs> like... sure. No, I get it. It's it's a it's a conundrum. Yeah. Uh, no. Anyway, uh, so let's get into the episode. We see the principal walking in slow-mo mm. down the abandoned high school. We see Alicia walking in slow-mo down the middle of a fucking road with her headphones on, oblivious yep. to traffic. I, I guess getting in near... Fatalities with traffic is like a genetic trait with the Clarks. It seems to be, yeah. Because this behavior is kind of, like this. This is kind of um, object lesson one for for vilification of teenagers. You have this person that's going to a elite school is clearly very smart, mm-hmm. and she's walking down the middle of the street. And if that's not annoying enough, she got a she got the fucking uh, what would Lord the Lord of Dogs or what? She got the skateboarding troupe. Yeah skating down there i just i don't know it's rubbed me the wrong way dude i hate to do this but she's book smart not street smart <laughs> literally <laughs> sorry literally uh so it turns out she's paying a visit to matt's house because she, she's been uh, freezing her out yeah and front door's open so let's just kind of go on in uh there's a snake tank and i'm thinking oh that would be interesting if like he got bit 
buy a, like a I guess you wouldn't keep a poisonous snake, would you? Maybe, but my first know. thought is, oh my god, he's been bit by a snake, and that's going to he's going to be a zombie. <laughs> or he and, had a big boa constrictor in there that just ooh, swallowed oh, him whole, or just or crushed him, and then he oh that would be fucking rad. Like you get crushed by a boa, you get swallowed, <laughs> and you come alive as a inside. zombie inside the boa. Eat your rip way your way out and eat your girlfriend. I <laughs> I would be a lot less critical in my review if something like that mm-hmm. would happen. Uh, but she finds him, uh, a lot of gasping and moaning and critically not a lot of seeing. And she says, oh, my God. And we go to commercial break. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that was cool. Did you? To me, it felt pretty schlocky. And really? Hmm. Like, again, I, I, I get you got to deploy some jump scares you do, in this yeah. thing. But there's a whole lot of jump scares just firing off and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And there's also genuinely creepy, well, like like the principal hearing him on the intercom system. Pretty creepy. That was creepy and effective. Like, there's other ways to build tension besides people not talking and jump scares. Sure. But Although, I don't know what's up with his fucking NORAD control panel he's got going on <laughs> for this intercom system. Man, I, so, you need like eight buttons, Here's man. the thing, though. Not 170 switches. This is a school that has a metal detector and a police precinct with evidence locker built into it. I don't have any experience with a high school like that. Okay. So so this contraption is for the police. I well the our, principal just kind of uses I, it. I don't know I I don't know what kind of what needs that. I know sure. my mom after I'd lost contact her cuz she she taught high school in rural communities but she transferred to Indianapolis Public Schools. Ah, like yes. in the twilight of her career. And uh, I guess they did have an intercom system like that because teachers Hmm. like they had a police department. And when a student was being unruly or violent, instead of getting involved, you hit the panic button and you say state, you know, state the nature of nature of your scholastic emergency. (laughs) And the goon squad would come in and take the kid out, cuff him and take him Hmm. out. Uh, So I guess. Again, it's like it may seem unrealistic, but I guess I didn't have a problem with it. And I thought it was used sort of effectively. I just don't like the interface. Oh, yeah? I think it's a massively ineffective interface. For well, it was designed system. by a government contractor and, yeah. and sold to the lowest bidder. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, meanwhile, Travis and Maddie and Nick are terrassing out of the L.A. River while simultaneously trying to get a hold of everyone on their cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis trying to get a hold of his ex. Maddie is trying to get a hold of Alicia. Nick is trying to 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 turn desperately to the radio, feeling like somebody's going to be talking about this. And I thought it was a an actual funny moment when this guy's is going on about how this is a disaster, this is an apocalypse, <laughs> and then you find out he's just talking about football bullshit. Yeah, uh, disaster of biblical proportions. I think is what he says. <laughs> yes. Uh, Travis has got the right idea from the jump. He need he wants to get the fuck out of the heavily populated urban center good idea very yeah. good idea I, I i support that uh maddie eventually gets hold of alicia tells him about uh matt and him being sick or i guess alicia tells them and they try to talk her into staying away from her boyfriend which we've already discussed doesn't work so well uh moving on chris schlubs his way onto a city bus and ignores his father's phone call in the douchiest possible manner in my opinion. <laughs> what do you mean? Just a face he looks like, oh, my dad's calling me on a cell phone they paid for. Fuck him. I'm going to plug in my headphones and retreat to teenage space. Yeah, I'm trying to remember their last call. Their last call was in the first episode. That's... And 
it was clear that their relationship is strained. I get and it. And there's been mention of that in other parts. And I of know the this happens, episode. and I know, like, yeah. you know, even when parents get divorced and there is no legitimate reason for a teenager to be moody about it, that they're sometimes moody about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish I would see, see the reason so I can know whether Chris is being unreasonable. Like, I've got the secret yeah. theory that maybe Travis is a maniac. Well, I'm sure we'll get there, right? They've got to tell us what's up between him and his kid. Do they? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, you don't build up something like this not That's to That's a season three it. revelation, uh, man. Maybe, maybe. I hope it's season one, though. I think uh, his, his his son will whisper it into his ear at the at the end of season one. I mean, we'll they're stuck in, in a barbershop right now. They damn well better talk. That's what you do in a barbershop, right? Nothing else to do except cut your hair. Uh, he does have a lot of it to cut, though. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, her family comes to Matt's house to rescue her and tells her to get away from him because he's been bit and is sick, although no one acknowledges the fact that he's been bit and asks him how he got bit or what the circumstances were, how long ago it was, or any of the things. Like they, I get that they're primarily concerned with their daughter's well-being, but I thought if they showed yeah. any concern for Matt, that might do a long way towards convincing Alicia that they're not insane. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. They just send her to the kitchen and are like, uh, so this guy's been bit. The AV club, I was reading their review. They completely fucking missed that point. Like, well, no one acknowledges it. If you are, but if he, you he are pulls on your back eye, his shirt and it's on his shoulder, the big bite. I get it, but it's only like five seconds of screen time. No one says anything. If you are uh, an AV club writer doing snarky commentary on Twitter while you're watching the episode, it's entirely possible to me to to miss that vital part of the story. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, what what do you want him to tell him? Oh, you're bit. You're fucked. We're no, I don't think here. they even know that. But like, and I and I think the mom and dad know that mm-hmm. he's been bit and why he's been bit. But that's kind of a way to introduce these ideas to your daughter and also find out how long ago was it. Like they don't know anything about this disease, so I think that any information. Well, they do. They ask how long he's been like this, and she says that. She said she texted him yesterday and they were going to meet at the beach and he never showed up. That's what I'm saying. They're not asking Matt any of these questions like who bit you? Where did you get bit? How long ago was it? I just I don't know. I just felt like that. But all those questions are answered in the scene. How? Every single thing you're asking. When did he get bit a day ago? Who bit? Is he bit? He, and, yes, and he's definitely Alicia doesn't know shoulder. that. Alicia knows that she I know. quit texting her yesterday, but she doesn't. That's sure. what I'm saying. Like the guy's sitting right there and he's lucid and conscious. Mm-hmm. The other thing I have a problem with is I don't understand his impassioned plea to like, just leave me. Go, like, yeah, how much does he know about this? Right. I feel like he transported from season four of The Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, literally as a 23 year old version of him after seeing the zombie apocalypse and gave like an impassioned, you got to leave me speech because I'm going to turn and do unspeakable things to you. Yeah. He seemed to have some uncanny knowledge about this thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so far the only epidemic I'm seeing uh, is uh, people just not having serious conversations about shit that they've seen. Yeah. This is only the beginning of that. Uh, also, Nick ransacks the house for drugs, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> uh, he's just plowing through trying to find whatever he can get. Yeah, I mean, he's starting to Jones, right? He's he's flipping out. You know, I bet. I, I wonder how many houses on average mm. have narcotics in them. I know mine Probably does. Probably more than you'd think. Yeah. 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 And it's not because I, I have uh, I get kidney stones. So like every three huh. or four years, my doctor will write me a prescription for Vicodin. And then I take as needed. So. Apparently, Vicodin's not good enough, though. 
for for it's not going to do the same thing, you know. Well, one time you'll treat pain, but one time he gave me oxy, and I will say, <laughs> like Vicodin takes the edge off, mm-hmm. oxy just crushes that pain into a little ball and <sighs> blows it away. Great. So, uh, it's a fantastic drug that you should never try. Uh, anyway, some excited guy runs up into Chris's bus and tells everybody the cop shot some homeless dude like 20 times, Mm -hmm. which a lot of the younger, more progressive people on the bus decide to get off and try to investigate. Here's where I started to notice that this episode is shot ugly as hell. What do you mean? It looks like there is a half a jar of Vaseline smudged on the screen. Like everything is out Hmm. of focus. It's blurry. There's lens blooms on every light source. At first I thought it was... Okay, they're shooting the bus like this to convey the fact it's summer, it's hot, and also to incidentally hide the fact that they're not in L.A. outside of this bus. Yeah. But interiors of the um, the, the the family's house are shot that way. Huh. It's just really – I thought this episode was ugly in a very networky kind of way. And even by then, like poor focus, uh, poor lighting, and poor cinematography all around. See, I thought some of the cinematography was good. I didn't like the editing on it, though, necessarily. So what's what do you think was well? I There was a couple establishing shots of L.A. I thought were nice. There's a really good shot of... Um, so there, there was a really great moment where, at the very beginning, Travis drives off in his truck. And you can kind yeah. of see him in one side of the frame. And then it's it's a shot back through the windshield uh-huh. on him. Um, so you see, like, his rearview mirror. And then you can see Maddie starting to walk across the street... Uh, in the background, and I thought that was a really great shot. But then they edit, they cut back over to Maddie and interrupt mm-hmm. that shot for like two seconds to show a reaction, and then cut back to it. And I felt like it broke it up. And there was a, a weird lot of way questionable they... storytelling here, like reaction shot to characters putting things together. And I'm not sure I understand what they're putting together. Okay, and of course they don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, but w- so the writers are leaning on the the director and the director's leaning on the writers and yeah nobody's getting to the point I, again i just can't explain why the lens is so greasy and the, the lighting so bad in some of these things <laughs> i didn't really notice but okay well yeah I'll it's take your word for it i noticed it the first time through and the second time it's like oh wow it's 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 endemic throughout the because again the first time mm-hmm. I'm like okay well maybe it's on the bus or this is a, a kind of ham-fisted way to sh- hide the fact that we're not really in la for the majority of these scenes but mm-hmm. anyway um so this scene the family arrives home, and there's some housewife across the street. She's got a birthday party going. She's got a crayon castle, bounce house. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's coming to the kid's birthday party because of the bug going around. And the neighbor, Peters, is clearly sick, but he's trying to bug out, which, again, Travis, he's got the right idea. We need to get, we need to be like uh, Peters here. Yeah. Minus, Hell minus, yeah. Minus the sick part. Yeah, when you got... I don't know how many millions of people in Los Angeles. You got to get right. the hell out of there fast. And I felt like... Even wait, like, okay, so here's a guy who's going to leave the family that he has a current relationship with, right? Mm-hmm. The, granted, it's not his biological kids, but sure. come on, he's trying to build a family here. Uh, he leaves them to go find his kids and tells them, oh, fucking, I'll meet you in the desert somewhere. Just drive, drive out to the fucking desert, I'll meet you. Uh, you know, when cell phone reception is gone or my battery fucking dies, I'll be able to call you. Don't no. you think that, yeah, they would at least pick a town? Something. 
Yeah. Something. Just give like a general You know that one area that one gas station on the exit. Drive fifty miles out on the four oh five or whatever highways they have right. there. So so he leaves that family. Why didn't he just tell Chris and uh whatever Chris's mom's name is, his ex wife, to meet them out in the desert? He's already with his family, so he's going to take a full fucking day mm-hmm. to go out there. Uh, get caught in traffic, get stuck in a barbershop, and come back. Sure. I mean, I I guess he thought it would be a quick trip, but nothing in Los Angeles is a quick trip. Well... Shit's breaking bad now. You need to get out before yeah, I mean, a million other people have the same idea. You're not going to bait me into defending this episode, number no, one. No, no, no. I don't want to. But I just want to call out bullshit. Yeah, number two, I, I, I guess, but like there it's like, I do see a lot of people maybe taking fairly human reactions to things and saying that that's bullshit where it's like, okay, if I'm a dad and the cell phone systems are not working Mm -hmm. and I can't get a phone call in and it's my biological son. um, Yeah. I'd probably make the cross drive down. Well, then your other family is forfeit at that point. Well, no, point. but they're <laughs> like, home. They're, you think they're safe. They're in the suburbs. Like My point is he needs to get out before a million other people have this same idea. Yeah. But again, or you're not it's, getting it's out. his kid. Like, so I'll, I'll cut him a little bit of slack on that. Yeah. But yeah I, 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 I totally, suppose so. I, I, I broadly agree with your, your complaint there. Um, and again, like this is the last time I'm going to say it, but the lighting in this <laughs> interior scene where Nick's telling his mom that coming off heroin is going to be tough – it's shot like a Barbara Walters interview. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, we have a lot more scenes of frantic phone calling. As you say, mm-hmm. uh, Travis sprays off the bloody hood and bumper of his trunk, decides to go drive to his ex-wife's house. He gets, in, he gets a hold of her. Yeah. And we have an orgy of people unable to communicate. Yes. And he's not even trying. <laughs> he's basically saying, you're not listening to me. But he's not. He's just saying like crazy stuff. Like, yeah. You're I'm not coming saying over. anything to listen to. Even though we just had a big dispute about who's got parenting this weekend, I'm coming over. And he doesn't explain that this is not about parenting. Yes. This is about the survival of the family. Like the like the first time he blew she blew her shit, which I, I you know, I've got an ex. It's not cordial all the time. Mm-hmm. The first thing you do when she starts blowing you shit is have you been paying attention to television? Do you know that there are riots and there is a flu causing people to act violently? Mm-hmm. And our son is potentially in the middle of that. I don't care about parenting this weekend. I'm talking about I want to make sure he's safe. Yeah, I'm talking about the safety of our child. But come he on. cannot make those words come out of his mouth. I, yeah, it, it boggles the mind as to how... Apparently his mind was boggled too. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, the intercut with Chris getting closer to scene of shooting. He observes an officer getting treated for a uh, visible bite on his forearm. Mm-hmm. Probably why the homeless gentleman was shot. Yep. Uh Alicia sits in a room to feel sorry for herself as Maddie tries to get a hold of their doctor to get him some medicine. I guess methadone is what you give heroin addicts. I don't really know. Probably strike that from the record. Uh, but uh, she says, look, mom, this is bad. He won't be able to travel in this condition. And she realizes that she's going to have to lay her hands on some drugs. Yeah. And comes up with a crazy scheme and then makes her daughter promise to not leave the house and watch over her brother. Mm-hmm. And then she takes off. Uh, Travis, meanwhile, tries to avoid traffic unsuccessfully and spies some cops loading in water and other oh, crisis man. supplies in the lucky squad car number 13. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that, but what a fucking shot, man. This is, this is one of those moments in the episode where I was like, oh, wow. Wow, Why? that's brilliant. Because I, the idea that these people are the only thing standing between the population and 
the zombie outbreak and they're not going to be there when they need them. Like that, that kind of coming together with so, the, the public turning against the, the police and law enforcement is, the, is just this one, two punch of like, wow, things are fucked here. Like that's just a chilling shot. So did you take that scene as the officers taking independent action to prepare to bug out? Or did you see this as a departmental-wide imperative to do this? No, I thought it was individual. See, I thought as a ladder, which made me kind of like, what the fuck? Like, at this stage, huh. if this is coming from on high, that start stockpiling <laughs> water in your squad cars and be... Like, why isn't the That's National Guard involved at this point? Yeah. But if you're saying that this is the officers basically like, man, shit gets much crazier. We're the fuck out of here. That's what that I is, thought, yeah. Okay, That's actually a more interesting, more nuanced take. Okay. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, yeah. So watching that, I was just so like, I wow, listen to our podcast wow. so I can get nuggets like that. Uh, yeah. So that's a lot more chilling. Um, uh, Maddie arrives at their school, which is abandoned, uh, literally breaks into the school's LAPD evidence or department evidence locker to steal drugs. Why doesn't she, why doesn't she pry from the lock? Right? Like, yeah, okay, I understand, like, getting a foothold up near the top, but then slide that shit down and pop the lock on it. Yeah. What are you doing, lady? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this might sound sexist, but um, I, I'm not going to make it a sexist thing, because I will say the people that are unused to working with tools in their hands, some things that you think are obvious might not be that obvious. Hmm. Like, I've seen dudes, like, do crazy-ass stuff with power tools, and they've never used them before, and, right. you know, yeah. maybe she's that type of person, like... She's I don't understand no Freeman. I don't understand I leverage and how it can be successfully applied and how this what is actually keeping me from opening this door <laughs> and how to attack it most effectively. Yeah, apparently not. Uh did you think that this was a little bit crazy to go from uh I can't get a hold of my doctor right this instant to I've got to go break into my school's drug locker. Hmm. Like she's probably now committing several <laughs> felonies. Uh-huh. At the very early stages like power still on Cell phones are spotty, but no worse than a minor natural disaster, which they mentioned in this episode. Yeah. I thought that this, when I'm watching, is like, wow, wow, this is really, you know, not calling your friends or family. See if they have something. Call maybe another doctor. Call, like, a drug crisis. And, like, just jump right to breaking into your school's evidence locker. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how much faith these people have in the in law enforcement's ability to stop whatever is happening and contain it well she herself says to, to tobias that that's what she thinks is going to happen now i get it her son needs drugs so, so right the fuck weird. now yeah and they yeah. need to get out of the city and she he, he they can't travel with her him like that mm -hmm. so i get it but i thought that was like um i once again i've seen a lot of shows where they just don't sell me on the desperation required to take i know it happened on one um there's a couple times in true detective last season where I didn't mind what they ended up getting up to. Mm -hmm. I just wish they'd sold me on the desperation so I really was invested in it rather than be like, wow, well, this okay, I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah. We're breaking into a school and stealing drugs out of it. <laughs> sure. And the, hmm. I mean, did, I guess yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, she's the guidance counselor. So, I mean, is she breaking into the school? She's, She's certainly, certainly stealing into, drugs from it. She has no permission to be in that room with that with no, that, those drugs. Certainly, I agree. And I'm thinking that, like, even if I, I would have liked to have seen something, her like Tobias questioned her, and she just like crock, cock and eyebrows, like, "Well, 
I'll just blame it on the 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 the, the looting. Sure. That yeah. she thinks is going to happen, but still, like the the riot hasn't broken out yet, so yeah. it all felt a little premature. I think you're right. All right, a little bit. Uh, Tobias uh, does another jump scare, startles her, and I guess the audience, um, and asks for his knife back. Cheeky bastard. Yeah. So at first, I'm like, really, really, Tobias came back just for his knife. Are you fucking kidding me? No. And then later on, we find out it's for food, which he doesn't end up taking, which yeah. chaps my ass to no sure. end, man. Sure. Uh, but uh. on the other hand. All right, we'll we'll talk that when you okay. get there. Yeah. Uh, Chris is still out on the open streets, and the good people of fake LA are trying to flex their rights mm-hmm. uh, with the police. Chris starts filming, like which seemingly provokes the police officers, which is seemingly true enough. Like I, it's unbelievable to me that police officers in a day where cameras can be live streamed on the internet turn mm-hmm. into raging assholes when a camera is pointed at them on a public street. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, how many fucking YouTube videos do we need to get before the departments are like, look, mm-hmm. when the cameras are on you, be professional, <laughs> be assertive. Don't shoot anybody. Here are the pe- these people's rights. Like, yeah. maybe you should know the fucking law mm-hmm. before you start violating people's civil rights. But whatever, this is a zombie show. So, well, uh, there's there's some ingrained animosity there. So, yeah, that goes both you gotta, ways. Yes, yes. Which is, I feel like you got to get over that. Right, and it takes some time, you know. Right. No, I mean, I mean that's a problem in this country that Certainly. the police widely see the people they're policing as the enemy mm-hmm. that and they have to versa, yeah. they have to suit up for to do combat every day. And the, that's, exactly right, the citizens see the police yeah. as something to be feared and avoided and deceived. It's mm-hmm. it's fucked up. Who fucked are kind of dynamic. out to get them, you know? Fucked up dynamic, man. Yeah. Uh, Nick is simultaneously throwing up and bitching up a storm. Uh, uh-huh. Alicia tries to bail on him to check on Matt, which that, of course, she's going to. Yeah. Uh, and again, I feel like people are not making great arguments to keep their loved ones safe. At least Nick has got the throes of heroin withdrawal. That's a pretty good excuse. His brain is not functioning at 100% capacity here. The best thing that Nick does is have a seizure, which is the one thing which that I brings think, his sister back. I think he can do on command. I got that Puking impression, and too. and seizing on command. I got that a distinct impression that that was... A deliberate... Because later on, he's like, Alicia tried to leave. I stopped her. Yes. You didn't fucking stop her. You shook no, and I think, puked all over yourself. I, I think he did this all intentionally. I can't... How do you puke intentionally? He had a bowl of that bullshit soup. Like, <laughs> all we saw is from the outside, so, we hear a crash so he and him stopped, on the ground. He, he stopped holding back his nausea. No, he, kept, he, he, he grabbed a mouthful of soup. Threw himself on the floor, knocked the soup bowl <laughs> off. No, this I'm, I actually think this is what happens. I, I okay. I'm and just as soon as she it. walked in the door, he projectiles it out of his mouth. <laughs> and the way he said it to his mom, like I uh-huh. got the distinct impression that maybe so that was a fake seizure. It could be a real one, and it's just really good timing. Either way, it works. But my head cannon says that because again, I'm trying really hard to yeah. see that like Nick and Tobias are like my spirit animal in these shows. They're like the guys that do what fucking needs to be done. Hmm. But I wonder if he could have done something besides resort to the fake seizure or real seizure. Like speak to her like a human being. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Like here's the things like they had a lot of time before this happened where he could have said, look, the reason our parents were so freaked out about Matt mm-hmm. is because, you know, Calvin, we all like Calvin. Calvin's the clean cut guy that you totally don't know as a drug dealer. Yeah. He tried to eat us all. <laughs> and I ran him over the car. Twi- I shot him. Ran, ran him, him over, over the car twice. twice, 
three times, ju- chucked him into the river. He still gets up with bone shooting out everywhere. Yeah, it was fucked up. And all and, and the least you think that I'm on drugs and I'm making this shit up. Call mom. Mom and Call dad, dad. saw it too. Uh huh. Like nothing, man. Nothing. Here's here's the thing that I I think this scene does that I like. Okay, and that is. It gives you an insight into how Alicia really feels about Nick, that she's got a decision to make here, right? She either goes to Matt, yeah. who is sick, and she professed her love for earlier. Sure, I believe Or that. she stays with her brother, who she says she hates. And she clearly doesn't, because she comes back for him uh, and foregoes visiting Matt. Well, love so and think... hate's a complicated emotion. Oh, I certainly. believe she simultaneously hates him for the things she's doing. She resents doing... him for a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I yeah. Totally believe that, but deep down, it shows you a little bit more of how they feel about each other, you know, yeah. brother and sister. Uh, so Travis Eli- uh, arrives at Liza, and I've got this pet theory that Travis actually is like some formerly abusive alcoholic asshole. Uh, we find out that Liza is trying to put herself through college as a single mom because she's been staying up to like 4 a.m. studying. That's why she's completely disconnected from everything happening on television. Mm-hmm. Travis just without ex- explanation, pushes past her into her own home. Yes. And starts looking around. I noticed that too. <laughs> like, th- that shit would get the cops called on you. Probably, yeah. That is the the in, that is a, an incitement of domestic violence, I think. And I'm like, I, you know, and he doesn't even try the words. He just goes right past her. He, well, he probably knows that she can't call 911 because they're busy. Oh, that's chilling. No, I, I sure that's even a little more fucked up. I kind of wonder if we're not going to find out. Like, hmm. this is going to be some interesting, subtle foreshadowing. Yeah. But if we find out that actually Travis is the great guy he looks to be, then this is going to be inexplicably bizarre behavior that he can't communicate, and he's this big of a boundary violating asshole. Uh huh. Um, yeah, and they're still not talking. So he, he, you don't think that he has any license to do this given the circumstances? I think if if he maybe explained it a little better, he patiently like spent even thirty seconds laying out the case, and she goes, "Well, you still can't have him this weekend." Then you'd be like, "Okay, bitch, move out the way." I'm checking for my (laughs) son and and making sure you're not both playing some kind of weird mind game, power games on you. But the fact that he Mm. didn't, I don't know, little yeah, little bit suspect. Uh, Travis finally gets a hold of Chris. And he and Lisa, Lisa, Liza are going to pick him up. And Chris is having none of it because what's happening down here is important, Dad. I'm part of it. So I totally buy this. I get it. This reaction from a teenager. Sure. Sure. Like, especially if he's neglected at home. Sure. No. He wants to do something. This is important. This is important to him now. I get it. I know. But I'm, I also, my teeth are on edge as he's saying it. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. There was an excellent, uh, post. I I think it was Hatorian in our forums Uh or broom person, maybe. I, I can't remember which one. There's a, there, this is important, dad. I gotta uh do this, dad. Uh uh (laughs) Which I thought was real funny. Um, yeah. I, yeah, there was a lot of rollicking discussion on the forums about this on the, on the Facebook because, uh, you know, we uh, saw it late. Yeah. I didn't get to see it till like last night, Monday night, yeah, for the first here. time. And like, there was already like 47 posts and all this other stuff going on. So, but yeah. Um, anyway, Liza actually has a heads up play. She sees the protest on TV and puts two and two together and says, I know where he's at. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yep. Go Tobias explains the cafeteria food is designed to survive a nuke strike, which citation needed. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, he's doing some preluding of the school's food supply. Yeah. Uh, Tobias wonders if she's seen them because he's seen them online. Uh, there's a lot of uses of them here. There's them as zombies. Them there's them yeah. as the man. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And she refuses to discuss it with him at all. I don't even know why she's still there. She's overseeing his looting. She's helping with the looting. She's doing it so he doesn't tell rat on her about the drugs. Maybe. She feels personally responsible for to... his safety. Yeah, probably. I don't Even know. Though, I got that there was some kind of connection between them in the first episode, but, you know, not a great idea of what but, that but is. But when we're using familial bonds to explain a bunch of inexplicable behavior, and yeah. the fact that she left her son in the throes of addiction and her teenage daughter who's heartbroken for her boyfriend that she wants to walk across town to go visit mm-hmm. to get him drugs, the fact that she's escorting him on his pantry raid was yeah. kind of weird to me. It is. Like, I don't have any emotional read on this actress whatsoever. Yeah. I don't know. There's some kind of edge to her that I like. What? It might just be the actress, like, plain and simple. It's funny because as soon as I hit stop on my DVR last night, it happened to be on HBO, and it was in the middle of Gone Girl, where she plays this, like, tough-as-nails female investigator. Okay. And you're right. She does have an edge that's really effective, but somehow... It's not really working in terms of me understanding how she is navigating this world in this situation. It's yeah, a barrier I, between me and relating with her. And I don't know that the character has that edge to I, her. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. She could just have these like emotional walls built high around her. Weird for a school guidance counselor? It's definitely. But she didn't seem like the greatest school guidance that's counselor. That's again like, like – I don't know that my guidance counselors in high school had any kind of professional training at all outside sure. of education. It's like – well, we don't have any openings in English or history or geom- or any of that, so I guess you can be the guidance counselor. Because uh-huh. they were terrible. Hmm. Flat out terrible at their jobs. Tobias is loving this shit, though. Oh, yeah. He's like, I've got a plan. I'm doing this thing. Uh, I feel he's like... He's ready for it. This is what he's waiting for. Did, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, there is, as, as a young person, when you're living through a historic moment, especially one that maybe, like, if you can, if, like... I wonder what it'd be like if you like, let's say there's a Tobias that was on the internet pre nine 11 and there was people like, you know, let's go full on loose change. People had uncovered this conspiracy before it's happened and they're mm-hmm. talking about it and it unfolds in real time in front of them. Yeah. That would probably be a mind blowing experience. Like it, you know, the rest yeah. of the world is having this like shock and mournful and you're like kind of like borderline told you so. And also, I've got the head jump on knowing what we need to do. Yeah, I think that's the important thing. Like, yeah. I can imagine, you know, something like 9-11 that happens suddenly yeah. and is over within, what, a couple hours. Right. By the time you figure out what's going on, it's all It's all, it's over. all over. Yeah, but this seems to be unraveling more slowly. So, sure. And he gets it. Like, he is a Watching Dead viewer mm-hmm. or Walking Dead viewer. Yeah. Uh, he knows that this is not going to get better. No, no, civilization's going to collapse and it's going to happen fast. I like Tobias. I do too. And we see, you know, the beginnings of that. Power is going out. Cell phone networks are going out. Sure. All that stuff is happening. Uh, So Nick tries to apologize to Alicia uh, while she's cleaning up his puke, Mm -hmm. his soup puke, as I like to think of it. And it's a a tough sell. And she's not buying because her response is, I hate you. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And Gladys gets not only what this show spends money on. Gladys, the girl next door, gets oh. her birthday party song sung 
And it's the official happy birthday song that's copyrighted and you have to pay like, hmm. you know. Yeah. Steven Spielberg doesn't pay for happy birthday. He goes for for he's a jolly or she's a jolly good fellow. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they must have licensed out uh, whoever owns the copyright to that for for that. And it's also something have. that's just happening kind of like if you didn't have captions on, you might even miss it. And mm-hmm. then the power goes out. Yeah. Uh Tobias is schooling Maddie on basic prepper theory about civilization ending, ending fast, mm-hmm. um, which it's, I find that very believable. Uh, Chekhov's room monitor <laughs> figures in very – it's like, fuck the third act. I'm coming in before the first one's over, bitches. Uh, the principal yeah, that was has, creepy too. I like that. I did. And, and the principal turning and hearing him kind of moaning on the, mm-hmm. the monitor was cool. Um, but here's the thing. Maddie trying to reason with the principal as he's staggering toward her stupid or something that you can excuse because these people don't know about zombies. Keeping in mind Pretty that stupid. she just saw inconvertible evidence that mm. these things. I mean, she just tried that with Calvin, Calvin. and mm. almost got bit. Yeah. It's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> because this is like, again, she's supposed to be a smart character. And again, the Calvin thing. I'm excusing, but you don't put her in a Calvin situation in episode two and not expect me to be like, this is bullshit. Yeah. If she gets Calvin one more time, I don't know what the fuck to do. Well, she's got to watch out for stealth walkers. That's what she's got to do. <laughs> sure. She you doesn't know, know she, about those. She yet. can know about all the Calvins in the world. Not every walker her. is going to have a baby monitor on it. That's going to helpfully no. alert you to its presence. Not at all. Uh, Tobias, fortunately, is a man of action. The problem is his tool is ineffectual for what he's asking it to do. Mm, ineffectual he, tool. And and these aren't the soft describes him perfectly. These aren't the soft <laughs> overripe melon head zombies we got in season 5 of The Walking Dead. This yeah. you, you take a pin knife to his skull and it just psh, glances off. Uh Maddie takes forever. <laughs> like I was literally like for real for fucking real, but yeah. when she finally springs in action, the fire extinguisher to the dome does the trick. It's effective, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wh- why did it take her so long? Like, maybe you get the guy off of Tobias and then look around for a weapon. Like, get the guy off Tobias, yeah. help him to his feet, and then run. Uh-huh. There's so many other things you can do than bash the guy's brains in. And that's strange yeah. mix of veteran zombie survival skills and complete clueless newbie that I'm not buying. It really is, yeah. And especially when you pair it with getting caught by this zombie in the first place, right? yeah. Like, caught off guard by him. It's really strange. The the one thing that preppers neglect in all of their preparation for the end times is physical fitness. Mm. Like, basic physical fitness. If Tobias was a physically fit young man, he could have shoved that guy down the stairs, no problem. Mm. Be done with it. Yeah, he's a teenager, though. Cardio. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, we got that. Fire extinguisher. It, it does the trick. Yep. Travis and Liza have arrived at protest and they try to find him kind of, there's a lot of inexplicable slow-mo in this episode too. <laughs> uh, I didn't feel like it was building ten- tension or anything. And it's like, this is like a bomb just went off on Omaha beach kind of slow-mo. And, and I, I'm not quite mm. getting it. Uh, she also sees something like the, the body, the, the sheet blows off of the homeless guy yeah. And she sees his face, and like something clicks in her mind. I'm not sure what. Yeah, because he looks like a dude either. that got 
a bullet through his eyeball, which is not, which I think is all he is. Yeah, yeah. At this point, he's a corpse with he's a dead corpse that got shot by a police shooting. Is that supposed to tell us that she's realizing? Oh, it's the headshot that does it. Man, I don't know. That would be pretty observant behavior. Yeah, yeah. Especially not having seen him getting shot a bunch before, yeah. right? Yeah, because it was 20 times. I could have just been, and all you can see is his head and shoulders, so yeah. it doesn't surprise me he took a shot to the dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, she also sees the hazmat team, and suddenly she gets religion uh, and tries to hustle her family out of square as an insane clown zombie chick, uh, a juggalette zombie, <sighs> a zombalette, Punk zombie, if yep. you will, uh, sneaks up on an officer and gets put down with a fairly nice double tap. And we're then running pell-mell through the streets of fake L.A. Which, yeah, causes everyone to freak out. The SWAT sure. teams come in with sure. the riot gear. And it, it's really cool that, like, people think that they're there to crack down on this civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When in actuality, I think they're there to stop this outbreak. Sure. And it's just confusion and misunderstanding that causes this whole thing to spiral out of control. Yeah, I buy that. So I was like, yes, I buy the dysfunction between the institutions of power of the city and the people themselves would prevent effective communication. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not because the show is bending over backwards telling me that these families are dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I don't buy them talking the same way. I guess because they have personal relationships. Yeah, I mean, that's the strained as they are. You can speak to someone one on one, whereas a, much more effectively than you can a faceless bureaucracy yeah. and a faceless mob. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I think that's what's bugging me about Something it. Something like that. Uh, but again, I thought Liza would have been like, maybe like, look at these dudes in the hazmat. This is fucked up. Like, instead of just being like, come on, we need to get out of there. Maybe she says, look at that. And then they, they I don't know. Again, like, why not share information? She does take action, though. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, c- get the fuck out of here, Chris. Liza's on Team Tobias. I don't Tobias. care what you're doing right now. Let's she's, go. She's finally taking appropriate reaction. Yeah. Um, the family runs again through the streets of fake L.A., where they find shelter in an armored barber shop. And their hosts have very mixed feelings about their guests being there. Yeah. I, I thought this was really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they want to do some epic fucking uh, zombie stuff in the streets. Mm-hmm. But do you have the budget? Do you want to show all of that? Can you make it look like L.A. when you're actually in Vancouver or wherever they are? Right. Uh, here, we'll just throw up a metal wall between the action and our protagonists. Sure. I I kind of felt like it was effective in a weird way, though. I, I don't expect them to have some big, splashy zombie thing at this stage. Yeah, like I've seen World War Z, I mean, this and, is, and this is that a, was right. maybe visually impressive, but it was not, like, mm-hmm. it, it didn't really give me any sense of of dread or oh, anything. No. Whereas this kind of works a little better to do that. Because in your mind, you're thinking, oh, God, what's going on out there? You can yeah. hear the sounds. Like, at what point does it go from a human riot to a zombie horde? Yeah, I, are, I was listening for that. I was like, the same way, it, like, when they're like, okay, are, are these still people banging on, or are we are, are starting uh, to see some cannibal stuff going on? Yeah, it's pretty effective. Uh, and again, like, some people were pissed about... Um, you know, Travis, like, telling his kid to stay away from the windows and then looking at the windows. <laughs> Look, man, uh-huh. a father not wanting his maybe 15-year-old son to see a person being eaten alive yeah. does not mean he's being a hypocrite but to keep him away from the windows. Like, I'm with you. You know, again, a little bit, another week into the zombie apocalypse, and that shit's pretty weak, but I get it. Yeah. 
Like he's, he's going to see it eventually, but it's pretty early. I don't think anyone thinks that this is going to be something that ends the globe. So yeah. like, except Tobias, except for Tobias, and he <laughs> doesn't know. One. He just that's his. He's yeah. just it's one of those things where it's like I always think I always try to di- distinguish the people I agree with because they're on you know we happen to be on the right side of the facts, and mm-hmm. people I agree with because they have a rigorous intellectual process for arriving at correct information yeah because there's all kinds of assholes that agree with me that because they haven't really given the matter thought or they were born with the correct beliefs or whatever sure um so like tobias is that category you're on the weirdo parts of the internet and you happen to be right because the zombies actually did come yeah (laughs) anyway uh where are we at here? Oh, yes. Maddie drops off Tobias at his house as the radio informs us that people are being urged to stay inside because of civil unrest. Uh, she offers him shelter and safety. And Tobias says, this doesn't end and you got your family to think about. And he goes on his way. Do we th- do you think we'll see him again? I kind of hope so. I do, too. Like, I wouldn't mind a trip to the desert, including Tobias. Because, you know, Tobias is all on the desert plan. Yeah. He is aboard the desert bus, and he's ready to 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 see it to the end. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see them all out in the desert. Uh, things are still kind of tense at the barbershop. Uh, Travis tries to keep his family away from the windows. He starts to kind of sort of tell Liza what he's seen. He says, I've seen what people do, what they don't do. Mm-hmm. They don't die. They come back. But, again, it's like... That's going cryptic. straight. That's going straight. It's very cryptic. It's mm-hmm. also going going straight to the zombie well. There's no. You're right. That's where I I have a hard time understanding what this show expects us to think as viewers. Does it want us to carry our knowledge in? I feel like it wants us to carry the Walking Dead knowledge into this show and look at the events and say, oh, this is how it started, and say, oh, here's the mistakes these people are making, here's the things they should be doing given what we know about it in the future. And it's fun for us to see those things. And it is, yeah. I don't think so. I don't. I disagree. Well, so I I think that that's what the people making the show think. Yes, That it clearly. is going to be fun, and it's going to be something that the audience is going to revel in. And I, I can see a certain type of person doing that, but for me, a lot of this stuff is frustrating. Just like... How many times, like you said at the beginning of this thing, how many times do you need characters not to communicate before you just throw your hands up and say, yeah, come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like, you know, we were, we're already past this point with the uh, the episode of the principles caught, but we've had three uh, black actors with speaking lines, all three of them dead. <laughs> And on another show, it's what like, is it? I like, what the fuck? Like, man? I get it. There's a rookie show, and you got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, monolithically white showrunners involved, and they just didn't. You know, it's like, ah, well, it's the first time we've done a show. How are we supposed? This is the Walking Fucking Dead. This is yeah. a complaint that's been bandied about season two, man, for for so many seasons, and it really reached a crescendo during season three. Mm-hmm. Uh. And it's still like I I tried to like you know last season like I don't know maybe it's they we've moved past that but what the fuck I I don't understand it I really don't we have some feedback on it that okay I, I don't want to step too much on the toes but like yeah. there again it's you know in the writers room is there really it's like okay maybe the first tropey answer that we have to something shouldn't be like maybe we keep noodling this like. What if we actually come with a way to invert that or come up with something new or, or but like the I don't know, maybe there's such zombie fans that they just get off on this shit, but they're the wrong type of people I mean, to be it, working on a boutique AMC drama. 
Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I don't think this would be excusable, but do you think they're perpetuating that joke for the sake of the joke? But that's the thing. It doesn't fit the tone. I agree. Like, this, some of this shit is straight up Shaun of the Dead kind of stuff. <laughs> that would war or, like, Cabin in the uh-huh. Woods. The Cabin in the Woods. Like... They are holding up this trope and saying, look at this trope, look at this trope. Mm-hmm. But it's just a way to advance the plot instead of like a commentary on it or a way to spin it something really it, interesting. It really doesn't work in a show that's supposed to be this serious, right? I, if that's what I they're going so. for, I think you've got to have this tongue-in-cheek attitude throughout the show or who's to say what's tongue-in-cheek and what isn't. I don't know, maybe the the, the idea of like taking the unrest between police and the citizens and coming that uh, being that part of the puzzle of how the zombie pox could happen, they're so pleased with themselves with that that they're like, "All right, everybody, cocktail time." Yeah, don't let's not sweat the rest. I I don't know because that there are some really good gems of ideas here, yeah. and this is this is another Walking Dead, uh, <laughs> a, a, a pattern. Yes, lots of gems of ideas, but the execution is unusually poor. Yeah, it's a shame on a show with this much potential. Uh, so Maddie gets back, she hooks Nick up with some oxy and he's kind of fucking obnoxious about it, but I guess that's addict behavior. Cause it's not like, thank you for going out there into the shit, yeah. which I'm intimately aware of and getting me these drugs. It's more like, Oh, this is great. How can I get more? <laughs> and what's your plan for the desert? Yeah. Like weaning you off the drugs, asshole. Like I, I felt like that his and maybe this is authentic, but I felt like his, de facto pattern was I'm going to keep getting high. Yes. I must have a continue. I'm not planning on not doing these drugs out in the desert, in the apocalypse, whatever. Yeah. I'm crashing. I think that's island. perfectly natural for an addict. I mean, they don't, but to say that to your mother naked Nick wants to quit. Like he's not a very good manipulator. No, he's not, but it, it raises interesting possibilities about what links he could go to, to find more drugs to get his hands on the drugs that his mom is going to ration him. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's the last time we'll hear about these drugs. No. We'll say that. Are you looking forward to episodes of him in drug withdrawal? And... Um, it doesn't seem like he's going to be in withdrawal necessarily. I, I just don't know. They've got to disrupt that somehow, right? They can't just have him weaned off the drugs and be good. They can. In fact, I'm afraid that's exactly what's going to happen. You think so? You're going to have the just withdrawal episode, and maybe this one is, and then he's fine. And you just, like, background assume that he's popping oxys every so often in smaller and smaller no, doses? No, that he's just fine. He's 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 clean. He's clean after an episode? I, I This is The Walking Dead. <laughs> I am not putting it past them. All right. To hand wave through withdrawal. Hmm. I, I think there's going to be more conflict around that. All right. I hope they keep it interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Alicia's trying to get a hold of Matt because she wants an update. And I have some bad news for her. Uh, Maddie decides she needs to clean her coat of blood mm-hmm. and has a legit breakdown before Travis finally calls. So, that, again, it's like I'm trying to cut her character some slack because some of this emotional instability and being difficult to read might be intentional. Yeah. I don't know. I like it or I agree with it, but... It did feel like this scene gave us a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, hold on what she's feeling. And it's a nice mirror between her husband, you know, washing off the blood from the car. Yeah. And her trying to clean the blood off, you know, trying to return to normalcy or the appearance of such. Mm-hmm. And now that she has a down moment, moment where she isn't just trying to survive at that point, she can yeah. process it all. Can we agree? Because another thing is like I'm, I'm willing to leave. 
I'm willing to extend them a little bit of slack about some of this bizarre behavior because up until this episode, maybe they considered what they've done as criminal. Okay. Uh, after this episode, I'm not willing to give them that slack anymore. They clearly don't care, right? Well, no, I think they do. Like, this is like, you know, clean, like him spraying off the blood is clearly like avoiding, you know. I'm, I'm talking morally. Like, they don't they don't care if these the things that they're going to do are moral or not. I don't know. They're going to do things they need to do I think, increase, to I think that's, a, that's another step too far. But I'm saying that, like, once – I feel like that now the city is sufficiently into chaos and they've sufficiently seen enough of the zombie stuff to not fear criminal persecution or prosecution. Okay. So yeah. I'm not going to be giving, like, them refusing to talk to people of being like, I don't want to tell my daughter I murdered a dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. It does kind of make sense though. Like, let's say you know somehow his truck gets covered in blood again. Uh, it does kind of make sense that you would clean that off before you go driving out into the desert, just to yeah. avoid any hassle. You got some rural hassle. cop, you know. Yeah. You're a Latino man behind the car, you know, the wheel, and I mean, don't go to like great pains, like, but but at least sure. wipe the thing down. You yeah, know? you don't want to question. Sure, sure. Uh, Anyway, so the one question I have, because Travis is cut off just as he's explaining to you need to go to the desert. Don't, you know, don't forget it. Don't worry about me. We're at a safe spot. How sturdy do you think the shop is? It seems real sturdy to me. Like, I've often wondered how effective, like on a full-blown riot where the owners are not inside the shop, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it seems like you can drive a car through the window. Sure. With a pry bar or like, I mean, I, how sturdy are these bars and windows and stuff? I think you could probably lift that uh, with hand tools if you wanted. Really? I imagine so. If that's yeah. the case, then like I wondering. Who's what... going to loot a barbershop? A. What the fuck are you going to get? It's not going to be the first target, but it's probably uh, got a cash bunch on of hand. formaldehyde combs. I mean, what, <laughs> what, what do you want out of a barbershop? It's cash on hand, man. Cash on hand. Cash in a barbershop? That's not the first place I'd go. Yeah, no. We'll just say that. Well, clearly, Tobias has got the right ideas. You first hit up the pharmacies, then you hit the gun stores, yeah. then you hit the, what was it? Baby needs, probably. Uh, food. Food? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, barbers are way down on the list of targets, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm wondering where they're going with this. Like, is this going to be, because we've seen the siege of a small shop and lots of zombie stuff. Are they going to try yeah. to put their own little spin on it? Are they going to try to play homage to it? Are they going to somehow completely give this a miss? Or is, is this family uh, going to be an integral part of the fa- the Clark family going forward? I feel like they might be, yeah. Um, not everyone in this barbershop is making it out alive. I will say that. I hope not. I hope not. Um, but, but it seems like... So they, they set us up for some kind of conflict here mm-hmm. between the zombies or potentially the police even and our group inside sure. by, by saying this is the only exit. You know, this is the only door. Yeah. If we're going out, we're going out through the front. Mm-hmm. So you get a horde of walkers out there, and who knows if they're even going to be able to go out that door. I will say a horde of walkers. I, I I feel like there's no uh, the horde of walkers isn't getting into this barbershop. I don't think so, no. Yeah, you need coordinated human effort. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, we get some panoramic shots of the school, of the riots, of the unrest in the neighborhood. Uh, we see the birthday neighbor lady get attacked by a zombie, uh, which I think is Mr. Peters. The coughing man from earlier? Yeah, because they kind of did a significant pan over a car with an open trunk like it was uh. in the midst of being packed, and then she's being attacked. 
Um, okay. But anyway, uh, the power looks like it's going off for good now. Maddie stops Alicia from going out and helping. And we end the episode as we started it with people refusing stubbornly to talk to each other <laughs> and explain shit about anything. Yeah. Uh, oh, and some Spanish Catholic shrine praying that too. Mm-hmm. But that's the episode. Praying to uh, Santa Muerte. Did I hear that? <laughs> I believe. I, I think I might have pray, heard her say, say that. Santa yeah. Muerte would be the appropriate personage to appeal to. In this. I think so. So if you got some of that mixed up in your Catholicism, I think you're going to be better equipped than most. Yeah, and if they're from Mexico, that's totally plausible, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to get out of this barbershop. So it's yeah. kind of got me hooked there. No, I like that. There's like, Again, I'm still interested in the world. They need to start salvaging some of these characters. Like, again, if, if, if Maddie keeps doing this Calvin stuff... And like approaches one more zombie. Like if if uh-huh. Matt turns next episode and she's like, Matt, you, can you hear me? I can get you help. Like I'm done. I'm fuck. I'm rage quitting the series. Uh huh. <laughs> so please don't do that. It'd be awkward for Jim to do a solo cast. Yeah, um, find somebody else to do one with. But no, like that. I I they need to start turning around and um, having people talk to each other and having people again. I'm not expecting season five, Rick level of zombie awareness yeah. but a what i would consider a reasonable person's reaction to seeing multiple confirmed eyewitness accounts of this bizarre stuff happening that's the thing you don't need knowledge about what it is or why it's happening I, just I, say yes, what happened yes like i don't know as maybe simple as that maybe you know maybe they're just like you know we and again it's like you don't have zombies you do have rabies right you do know that there's diseases that can make people act insane and aggressive sure and there's drugs that they PCB, can take to make them yeah. hard to kill. Like this isn't weaving things. I'm, I'm not expecting them to go to the zombie well. Yeah. But I want them to show like basic, reasonable human self-preservation. Yeah. It'd be great to see a conversation where people are disputing what they saw. I would you know? love to see that synthesis. Like, yeah. like what happened on nine 11, where did you hear this? <laughs> I heard this, you know, did you yeah. hear that? It's like people, that's what they do. Like, Instead of being standoffish and not talking in times of crisis, I feel like, you know, people come together and synthesize things. I think so. I mean, I think that's been borne out by history, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it feels very untrue to life for people just not to talk about anything. Well, and again, it's like, you know, some random assholes, but like, I kind of like my heroic people to act intelligently and not act like raving lunatics. That's all I'm asking. I don't think that's an unfair request, honestly. But anyway, we will see. Uh, what else we got? We got some feedback. We're doing something. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, we we traded off for this season, uh, the series. Uh, I'm doing the recap, and yeah. Jim over there has got feedback. Aaron got sick of all of you emailing and <laughs> pestering. I needed him. a break before Walking <laughs> Dead. It was a deluge. Yeah, yeah. I um, knew it would be. We we didn't have a ton of email this week, but I expect that to change over the weeks. As we get more and more people watching and involved in the podcast. Before we get into feedback, we have a sponsor that we need to talk about. Awesome. And that sponsor is Audible. Audible is, you know, the leading audiobook service on the internet. I think when people think audiobooks, they think Audible. Not just audiobooks, spoken word content. Oh my God, so much spoken word content. Over 150,000 pieces of spoken word content. 180,000 complete words. Constantly going up. 
You know, next week it'll be two hundred thousand. It's like a McDonald's sign. Eventually, they'll, they'll give up at ninety nine billions, and it's just like whatever. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows we we run this shit. All the burgers, yeah. all the audiobooks served. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna recommend a book that is pertinent to our subject matter here, which is World War Z by Max Brooks. And the audiobook version of this is kind of astounding. It's mm-hmm. it's the way that I consumed this bit of literature. And the the reason it's so great is because A, I like the story, but B, the voice acting in this is incredible. It's got I don't know, pick a, a famous person out of a hat and they're probably in this. Mark Hamill. Luke yes, Skywalker. In in there. Alfred Molina. Doctor Octopus himself. In there. John Turturro. In there. Simon Pegg, in there. Simon Pegg, in Oh, I didn't know about that. Uh, I mean, you can go down the sci-fi ladder all you want. Jerry Ryan, in there. Ooh. Henry Rollins, in there. Like, Did you say Tasha Yar was in there? Yeah, Denise Crosby, in there. Also in The Walking Dead, she's in there. She's all in there, yeah. <laughs> it, it's incredible. Like, the, the voice acting talent, top to bottom, is spectacular. And like I said, I really enjoy the story. It's, now, now, what would you say to a person said, I saw Brad Pitt. It, uh-huh. I did not like it. I had no interest in this book. I would say fuck that movie. That movie is not World War Z. I've read. I've 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 read the book and seen the movie. And you're right. It's I, for whatever reason they decided to keep. It's a watered down action flick. They, they, they kept the title uh-huh. and then everything else is different. So yeah, if they you jettisoned were, all of that. If you didn't like that, mm-hmm. then so this is like don't be put off. Yeah, this book is. Kind of the telling of the zombie apocalypse through as, as like an oral history, of, an oral history through all of these different people's eyes, and they're all like some of them are government officials, some of them are military, uh, military, some of them are in the public sector, sure, um, some of them are like despots from other from yeah. like independent island regions. It's it's really interesting and cool, um, and they kind of all tell their side of the story and how the the zombie apocalypse unfolded. And it's super awesome if you're into that kind of stuff. So I would recommend checking that out. And you can actually get it for free right now. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove and you sign up, you get a free audiobook download, and your first 30 days are on us. Uh, and I, I will say pay attention because there's multiple versions of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Its actual title is World War Z, the complete edition, parenthetical, movie tie-in edition, an oral <laughs> history of the zombie war. What's the runtime? Uh, it is 12 hours and 8 minutes. Okay, and that's got everybody top to bottom. Yeah, there's others. Cast. There's others um, that look like there's one that's like a six hour version, which has got a lot of the same people, but it's heavily abridged. Hmm. And there's an unabridged that is narrated by just a professional narrator that's like an hour or two longer. But the one, if you want the wall to wall science fiction nerd, uh, you know, just throw the 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 phone book, the science fiction nerd phone book at yeah. it. If you want the complete edition movie tie in edition version of world war z okay cool yeah so once again go to audiblepodcast.com slash bald move get that for free uh so let's get to feedback yeah yeah let's do it all right so we start off with elizabeth who has a who i i briefly considered cutting during the podcast because we kind of talked about a little bit of this but she says i don't watch the walking dead so i'm wondering if this storyline in fear the walking dead is typical people not listening and walking up to zombies and expecting a different outcome Yes, Elizabeth, it is certainly typical of The Walking Dead. Is this Elizabeth or is this Liz G? 
her this her name is Elizabeth. Okay. I do not know. Taking over the feedback, all of oh, the no. everyone are lost. starts over. Yeah, you're unless, done. unless you're Tom in a Volkswagen, <laughs> that's it. But you'll fuck it up and say West Virginia. I know you will. No, never. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that's. Yeah, I mean that that happens in five seasons of The Walking Dead now. So sure, get used to that. Uh, she says the second episode was frustrating and not so much fun to watch. The season is only six episodes, so I intend to finish watching it, but I'm not sure I'll watch a second season. And then she has a question for me: Why do I like zombie shows so much? Is it the gore, the jump scare? Did I read World War Z? Uh, she says it was my only experience with zombies, and it was told in the format of a report being given to officials. So. Yeah, I, I do kind of like the gore. Um, I kind of like the horror aspect of it. But honestly, I'm a sucker for if you can if you can tell an interesting story of the logistics of an outbreak or, you know, how, how you deal with these things, what people's reactions to them are. I, I find the idea of this kind of, you know, not supernatural event, but this epic change of all the paradigms really interesting. Just seeing how people deal with that. And the stories that are told around it. So, I don't know. That, that's that's my thing. Um, speaking of World War Z, yeah. If you have not listened to the audiobook for World War Z, because that's how I consumed it, you are seriously missing out. That is a one of the best audiobooks I've ever heard. It's okay. got a, just a shitload of voice actors that you know and have heard of: John Turturro, Mark Hamill, isn't it? Um, maybe Brian Cranston, Henry Rollins is in there. Uh, just, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Denise Crosby, like a whole bunch of people who you've definitely heard of. That's a phenomenal audiobook. Lieutenant Tasha Yar is in that thing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Tommy. Tommy says, is it, is it just me or does it seem like Tobias was created as a way to channel what the viewers want to say to the other characters? What do you think about that? Tobias kind of being the voice of the viewers. Like, has more knowledge than than the rest of the characters. Well, but that's that's uh you know your Basil exposition is a you need that in fiction. Yeah. You need someone. Now it's weird that usually that person is put in place uh and and maybe why this is so coming across so strange to him is usually that person is put in place to inform the audience. Like you have okay. someone ask slowball yep. questions to anyone in universe and they can be like for real you don't know this like you know uh if if you're like reading a big nautical fiction book, you know, you need uh, a character that's like you doesn't know shit an experienced person that can just regurgitate information to them. It's weird because we as the audience don't need that. But the in universe people do. Yeah. But it's like channeling the audience, right? It's it's us screaming. It's at our like TVs. Our, our our pressure outlet. Yeah. I think they need to take that further if they want it to be effective. I think so. Yeah. He, need, he needs to start calling people out. For, yeah. for their stupid actions, right? Yeah. We need to be talking, people. Let's let's figure out what we know and what we don't know. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he says, as terrible as Alicia was or is, at least she isn't to the point where she'll watch someone choke on their own vomit. <laughs> Walter. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, Patience says, hey, guys, two things I loved about this show. Nick tattling on his sister for trying to leave is perfect. Awesome, subtle line that said so much about this show and his character. I hope this level of communication between characters continues. Uh, well, that's, that's, a that example is on an island by itself. That was a nice, and that's like, that's why I'm like, really, I can't really quite call bullshit on his performance because he's on full in addict mode yeah. and he's like taking his mom's sacrifices for granted. 
and not asking if she's okay or if she, you know, just just like where's the drugs? Can I get more drugs? And then like halfway through, he realizes instead of saying apologies, he's like, oh, by the way, Alicia was a total, you know. Brat and you know, mom, you should do something about that. That's yeah, to, to me, it really it. felt like tattling, just like no, yeah, but like it was he, a way to deflect, I think, the growing okay. criticism of his drug seeking behavior, probably so. Uh, and point number two, uh, from what they've shown so far, it looks as it looks like as reality sets in, this will be a show of strong women. Walking Dead started out with horrible, weak women like Lori, Andrea, Carol 1.0, Jackie, and a suicidal Beth. I can't shake this feeling that Madison is going to be like Rick. It's just something Kim Dickens shows on her face, which I think we talked about earlier, that edge she's it's, got. It's it's kind of handicapping her right now, but uh-huh. yeah, I could see her being a really, really tough, flinty person. Yeah, and she also points out how Travis's ex uh, got with the program pretty quick, pulled her son out of that crowd. Yeah. She's uh, a really strong character in Orange is the New Black. She's a, t- a horrible... Uh, psycho psychopath <laughs> but she's got that same kind of like you could really see her you know standing her ground and holding it mm-hmm. uh so yeah that's kind of exciting all right uh nick says i have a few observations after last night's fear the walking dead episode one i personally don't think the show is as bad as those like seppin wall and feinberg said it would be no i don't necessarily like the teenage characters uh even though he's reluctantly starting to like nick a little bit But I think the whole sequence with the police shooting, the defenseless homeless guy, and the riots that will ensue is fascinating. If there is a conspiracy to withhold information about the zombie virus from the public, or if with social media the public is only getting parts of the story, I can totally see how the public can misconstrue the actions of the police force and turn against law enforcement in a quick period of time and begin the destruction of the structured society as we know it. Uh, Now that they have introduced that concept, I hope they do more things like that and talk about society's struggle as a whole instead of focusing solely on the main characters and their problems. Couldn't agree more. I I really that's one of the most interesting things about this new series. I will say that I don't think that Alan and Dan's criticisms are necessarily unfair about this show. Hmm. I, I do what I do think is unfair is they didn't give it any credit at all for some of these interesting core germs of ideas. Gotcha. Like when you know, like you know, anytime you dismiss something as trash, which is the exact word that Feinberg <laughs> used, uh this trash? show's not trash. No. It is at worst failing to live up to its potential and also damning the showrunners for not learning from their past mistakes. Or hell, maybe they see them as strengths. I don't know. Uh yeah, hard to say about trash. the killing black dudes thing, but the <laughs> not talking and some of this other stuff is like maybe they think that that is actually super cool and the zombie tropes is like, you know, that's oh, that's their way imagine. to to I don't know. I get from Nicotero that he is a zombie fanboy and he really likes that stuff. He has oh, anything that, wrong yeah. with it. But Nicotero's not the showrunner. Like I don't know that he's that got that much of a point? say. I don't know. I feel like him him, Gimple, and Kirkman mm-hmm. have uh, uh and and maybe it's actually I think Kirkman and and Nicotero have more power than Gimple. Well of course Gimple, I don't is he even wow. involved in this? Not in this one, no. He's, okay. he's not the showrunner. Well, this. there you go. Some guy named David something. So I think Nicotero and, and uh, Kirkman are the one to have the real power in the show. Mm. So that explains why uh, some of the, unexplic- the inexplicable things, like the whole Glenn Tunnel sequence in season four, <laughs> I'd lay that right at Nicotero's feet. Yeah, I want, I want a wall you, of walkers. I, in the dark. Cost and, be damned. Yeah. Plot be damned. I yeah, don't care. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and point number two from Nick is after the first two episodes, I can't tell if the show is supposed to be set in the same universe and happening concurrently with the outbreak in season one of The Walking Dead. I know it's not a big complaint, but focusing in on the newer Apple products in some scenes kind of takes me out of the universe Ooh. if it's supposed to be set in 2009, 2010. Well, they did have is. they did have four. Like if he was using a 4G iPhone, that is entirely possible in universe. I did the research Maybe on that. I did barely. research for yeah the, the the Apple four iPhone fourth generation iPhone came out in 2010, but it was probably September 2010. But that's my point. This library sign is advertising something in July. I think it's much you think more it's likely way out of date, that sign. It's is. much more likely no one took that sign down and we're in the new school year. Although it, it kind of felt like in the dialogue, I can't quote anything because I wasn't prepared for this line of questioning. But I felt like that they were talking about school wrapping up. But I thought also Matt said something about one more year together. Oh. So that would make sense if it was the beginning of the school year. Yeah. So that's what I'm going for, that it's... it's... When, when do kids typically apply for college? Not like not being someone who went to college that's right out of high school. I, I have no fucking clue when you're supposed to do I, that. Yeah. But I feel like it might... During your senior year, surely it might coincide with like the end. Like of usually, your you get you junior get, beginning of senior. Year. Yeah, don't you get your like letters of acceptance like at the end of your school year because you got to start planning. I would assume so. Yeah, so you got to apply before then. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, we didn't. Huh. Neither one of us went to college or even thought of it. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, but yes, to answer your question, I think this is exactly the same universe. It's supposed to be. Yeah. The, the shit is going down in Atlanta right now, just like it is in... And uh, I didn't notice, I, I, again, um, I it bothered me, and then I looked it up, and I saw that, like, in 2010, you had HTC Incredible, which I mm-hmm. see as a modern... That's the beginning of the modern yeah, yeah. Android cell phones. Uh-huh. You had the iPhone 4G, which certainly is a well-established... The app store was in place. You had tons of apps, oh, yeah. and, you know, people were doing watching YouTube and shit. Although not on iPhones. It took a while to get YouTube support on, on iPhones, didn't it? There was some kind of... There wasn't an app for that? What? <laughs> and also, like, it didn't know. support HTML5 or when... when Like, I thought there was some, like, major no, scandal. No, Flash. It didn't support was the Flash, Flash videos. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think YouTube might have been on Flash only, so... And it was, went to HTML5 as a, as a way yeah. to go cross-platform. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Google. Uh, Tarek says... Well, that escalated quickly. Just when I thought this show had an opportunity to right all of the wrongs of The Walking Dead, they doubled down. Three-dimensional black characters? What the hell for? Let's just kill them all. In-depth and entertaining look at what happens as uh, to society as things fall apart? Nope. Let's just redo the first half of World War Z. Badly, by the way. And get right to the straight-up zombie hide-and-seek shit that we know and love. Smart characters that behave like humans, plausible scenarios, fuck it. Let's trot out chubby, pimply conspiracy boy snooping around the school. (laughs) Having the principal predict uh, predictably and magically turn into a zombie. Uh, And the boyfriend, let's also have him get bitten by a phantom zombie. Fuck this show. Yeah, no. I had to I had to put a voice of dissent in my of my own opinion in there. I don't think I'm that harsh, but (laughs) I don't say fuck this show. Honestly, honestly, everything he said. Uh, you know, he gets nitpicky at the end, but yeah, like I don't like that they didn't address the point that those yeah. points and everything he said up front about the uh unfortunate use of black characters and the non communication and the, them wanting uh, it feels like them hitting the gas pedal on the interesting parts of the fall of the apocalypse and trying to get right to the zombie stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's not wrong. 
No, he's not wrong. He is not. He's objectively correct. It's just what do you think about what those is, things? What is your how much lev- are those going to affect your your? Yeah, we talked about that. There's a tipping point. Your suspension of disbelief, where once mm-hmm. once you're saying fuck this show, then every little thing to the Vaseline on the lenses is a problem. If you yeah. have affection for the material and you're willing to stick it out, then this comes across as whiny bitching. And I wonder if my relationship with The Walking Dead in any way prepared me for some of the bullshit that's going on here that I may be calling bullshit more on if it wasn't for that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess... So what gets me through The Walking Dead is I've got two gears where uh, and I'm pretty good at shifting them. Like when the show decides to take itself serious and Mm. deliver some quality material, I can engage with it that when the show just starts being lunacy, I can also go and just start, you know, not hate watching, but like poke fun watching. I feel like that's the approach. I haven't gotten to this because this show's tone is the one way, but... A lot of the action is Looney Tunes, so uh-huh. uh, I and I I kind of decided that I was going to approach the show as its own thing, and like again, uh, you know, if we launched Bald Move 2.0, there's a lot of things we would not do. We would skip right to the stuff that works. We discard the stuff that doesn't, and we try to even maybe improve on what we have now if we were going to do something like that. I I just don't understand why they don't. Unless they see these flaws as virtues. Yeah, those, I feel like those two gears are a good way to describe a lot of zombie fiction. Uh, you either have the stuff like 28 Days Later that's mm-hmm. going to do a good job, take itself seriously, have coherent characters and plot. Or you're going to have something that's schlocky and over the top. Uh and it's just going to be either a gore fest or silly for the sake of being silly. It's rare that you mix that up. Though. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like some of the some of the crappier George Romero stuff does that. Yeah. And I consider, I think Dawn of the Dead does a great job of that. Uh well, and also that Survival of the Dead. Like <laughs> there again, like I wouldn't call that a good film though. No. I would say that's no. a mess. Yeah. That you can get drunk and watch as a zombie fan sometime, but it's certainly not entertaining. Mm-hmm. And you know, Walking Dead has always cro- has always stayed north of the entertaining line for me. Uh I think so. Yeah. I'm a little bit more skeptical of this show. All right. Let's move on to Heather. Heather says, I'm really enjoying this show so far. It's been crazy entertaining to watch society slowly realize what's going on and so many people being done in by their own mistakes. I do find Alicia or whatever the heck her name is just completely infuriating, though. What's she going to do when she no longer has earbuds, a boyfriend, and a sense of entitlement to lean on? Not to mention how stupid it was to go into the house. Even if they weren't, there weren't a zombie apocalypse going on, if you come home to your front door hanging wide open, you don't go in. You call the cops or at the very least call your parents to see if everything's okay. What if there'd been a burglar with a gun? She's just oblivious to common sense. And she says she wouldn't be surprised if she's the first one to go. You know what? I was thinking that like, surely this character is too central, too attractive and too much screen time devoted to her to just throw. But then I started thinking Amy <laughs> and I'm like, you could have said the same mm. thing about her. Like she had these big establishing shots with her sister and you know, it's like she was gone right away. Yeah. So I wouldn't put it past the show to just scratch her in the next episode or two. Maybe but on the other hand, how, how do you I also, feel about Nick. Do you think Nick's invulnerable for the time being? I like Nick and I think I the show too. sees Nick 
you know, somehow that like whatever he didn't get in real life that turned into drugs, they're going to have some kind of redemption story there. Could be. Um, yeah. And I, I there's something about the guy that plays Nick that I like. And again, I'm always for the people that be damned of like, you know, common sense or whatever. When you see something rise from the, the ghoul rise from the dead, you put it back in the ground. Mm-hmm. And I've, I always flatter myself into thinking that that's how I would be in the zombie apocalypse. So guys like him and Tobias to get the shit done, I, I, I like. Uh, and Alicia, yeah. I kind of don't like. But on the other hand, I will say that I do believe that Alicia is smart because I haven't seen any evidence, but they've told mm-hmm. us that. It would be interesting to see them strip away some of those layers of bullshit and have her reduced to just being, you know, a smart person trying to survive in the world and see what that what's that what's that like? Yeah, what's what's at her core, you know? So I don't think I ever want to see her like, uh, you know, a, a, a Carol, like a Rambo type kicking ass kind of because I don't think that's the type of person she is. But no, I could more see her mom being that way. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing her like a Glenn type. OK, like, yeah, like completely sidelined and pushed down a well at every opportunity. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Use this obvious zombie bait. OK, yeah, sure. No, but like, you know, kind of being the tactician or the philosopher yeah, not not that Glenn, but he's kind of like Glenn's become the kind of the moral center in when some ways. So yeah. many of the other moral centers have been killed each season. Uh-huh. So I could see her playing that role. Uh, Heather also says, I'm also really hoping Tobias turns out to be another Morgan, a fan favorite in the first few episodes, then disappears only to return a few seasons later as a total badass. Can you, you imagine him doing like I keep on wanting to go Harry Potter uh but it doesn't it just do it like a nigel like a long bottom like he's he's this weird goofy kind of pudgy kid and by the end of the last film he's like this like gq cover model oh is this the red sword no that's red haired kid he no no doesn't he like beef up and yeah they all do oh even harry potter's got like a six-pack by the end of these movies (laughs) and you know uh, enough creepy things have been said about uh hermione that i don't need to add to it but but no this guy is like one of the ugliest kids I've ever fucking seen, huh. and he's legit hot. Now. Plastic surgery or just May, grow, I, growing into or your body? A good orthodontist, I growing mm. into your body. I don't know. We just all right. Well, we I we just had that real life experience. We went to a church with one of the ugliest girls I've ever seen, and oh, we just yeah. happened to see pictures of her on Instagram and like. She's like, how, how did that how, turn what? into that? Yeah, where <laughs> like you know, I don't know. Sure, it can happen. It can so totally happen. I, uh, come on, man. There's a. Uh, that's why you never tell the ugly girls that they're super fucking ugly because you never know. No, that's, it's, that's, it's, that's horrible. It's Stefan Urkel syndrome. There you go. Yeah. Another guy. Jalel, he was a Jaleel White. Weirdo looking kid, and he grew up to be. I don't know. Was he really legit hot or was he like ABC Family hot? I don't remember. I, I couldn't tell the you Stefan Urkel yeah. ep- episodes. No, I was. Very young at the time. But yeah, I could see this guy like, you know, season three, you put him on a, a, a diet, you, uh-huh. you have him start pumping weights, you, you he sure. goes to the steroid you doctor. You give him the Ger- Gerard Butler treatment, He right? goes to the steroid doctor and all the Hollywood guys call, <laughs> and he's like this chainsaw-wielding maniac. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Carl from H-Town, which I, I hope is not heroin town, but we'll get there. Uh, here are some of my thoughts on episode 102 of Fear the Walking Dead. Are the showrunners going too far with these... Uh, with the these people just don't know storyline. I understand they're going to some lengths to build suspense by the audience knowing what the characters may not. However, the amount of time it would take to catch up on um, 
to catch on seems to be excessive for what seems to be an otherwise reasonably intelligent group of people. So you, we kind of talked a little bit about this. Do you, your thoughts on it seem to be like nobody's talking and therefore they're not figuring shit out? I don't know. Because you, yes, I mean, I, clearly I think that they're airing way too, si- too, too much on that side of the equation. But you also look in real life and you look at, you know, like some of the political and economic arguments that we get into where like, you know, people are just one side will say you're an obvious denial and the other side says you're in the obvious denial. And, you know, you fight about the facts and like maybe you could see some of that. But with the zombies, it's like that's a kind of a black and white thing. This isn't like how you effectively fix the school system. Uh-huh. This isn't. What do you do about climate change? This isn't sure. how much money do you spend if on the military could, versus our yeah. securing our foreign interests or interests in forge. This is like something is coming back from the dead and it's trying to kill you. What you know? If you could how shoot you, carbon in the head, you could solve yes, global warming. Yes, if I could take carbon out back, <laughs> climate and, change, and shoot it, then then we probably wouldn't have a problem. Or if we could just turn the sun down a little bit or whatever. Yeah, you know, but. I, this feels like it's an obvious problem with an obvious solution, and it's not something that you could debate the morality of. Like, it's sure. a, The Walking Dead does. Like, a lot of season one is spent like, oh, should I should yeah. I kill these people? And I'm sorry this happened to you. And, you know, like, hesitating to kill your loved ones, which that's kind of interesting. But... and, and Yeah, I feel like the longer the apocalypse goes on, the less relevant those questions become. Sure. And so, I think right at the beginning, sure. But again, is it interesting? Because these people are going to wrestle with all those questions. Yeah, is that going to be interesting? I don't know. And is it? Yeah, is it going to be interesting? Us as an audience who knows all the answers to these questions. Sure. Watching these characters struggle with it, I don't know. We'll find out. Um. He he also has some comments on some of the other characters. Like he he says he's a ten year sober recovering addict, and Nick is super interesting to him to see how far they're going to go with all the withdrawals and stuff that he's going to face um, and, and what potential risk he could be to any of the group he's traveling with, you know? Sure. He could get them into some trouble because of his cravings, I mean, if they, I guess. If they want to, like, play the disposable card on him instead of Alicia, he could just have uh, a coma. He could choke on his vomit, die, and rise up and kill people Yeah, in the desert town. Sure. Uh, he also has some thoughts on Madison and says she's a freaking moron and he's not sure how. Uh, presumably someone with a degree in psychology, which we, you know, are not sure about. Right. <laughs> as a guidance counselor. In 2010 in L.A., I think there's, yeah, you have some requirements for I would hope social so. work. Yeah. like, but But how someone like that could not be talking at all to her daughter. Uh, yeah, it's tough. Uh, and he still doesn't know what to make of Chris. For some reason, he grates on on his nerves, but it could just be that he's fifteen and he's doing what fifteen year olds do. I think. I think. I I'm think a little up it, in the air on him too. Chris suffers from an unfortunate case of resting douche face too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he just looks like he's a sneering teenager without any reason. Like I don't, I don't see that he's exceptionally smart or gifted in anything. He's just this kind of you know firebrand guy. That has yeah. a, a a look on his face that you just want to smack off every time you see it. <laughs> sure. Uh, Joshua from Los Angeles. This is an interesting one. We talked last time about 
uh, when a zombie becomes, when a person becomes a zombie, if like they suffer brain death and they're on defibrillator and all this, or if yeah. they're on, uh, oh yeah, sure, I remember that, uh, heart and lung machines and all that. He says he wanted to add his two cents on this issue. He says I've been been a Los Angeles EMT for four years and the medical field uh, in the medical field for six, so I'm not talking out of my ass on this one. He's seen four zombies in his career, <laughs> <laughs> but in LA, I buy it. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. And, and this is like. I mean, he's at the epicenter of this show. Sure. So I hope he he writes in a lot more on the medical facts here. First, I want to talk about shocking the heart. Now, despite what movies tell us, they don't actually jumpstart the heart, but actually stop the heart from beating. There are only two shockable rhythms we could use a defibrillator or ventricular tachycardia or defibrillator on, which are ventricular tachycardia and ventricular fibrillation both of which your heart is doing a bunch of shit that it shouldn't. And if it doesn't stop doing said like shit, it will out, kill you. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like beating it with an irregular rhythm or something. So shocking, it stops your heart and is like rebooting the computer and allowing the heart's pacemaker to make your heart beat normally again, which I didn't actually know. I assumed it got your heart going again. Because I felt that's like I knew fiction... that some way in the deep parts of my... But yeah, it's like if... Because those are all four chambers, and if they're not working together, then... Working against each other. It's not pumping other. blood, so yeah. you got to get it all back coordinated. You're either with me or against me, That's heart right. chambers. That's right. Uh, so just, the heart's just not beating at all? They can't bring you back? I I assume they do chest compressions. Is that where they do, is that where they do the chest compressions? Or like, I think so. I've seen the, like, the massaging of the heart directly to get it to kind of like... <laughs> like opening up the chest cavity and... Yeah, I saw it on ER once. Noah Wiley did. Is that a real thing? I, Noah I, Wiley does a lot of shit that's not real. On ER, I feel like <laughs> most of the stuff in ER is medically plausible. An, okay. internal heart, an internal heart massage. It seems exceptionally dangerous, to say the least. Yeah. But no. if you're, him if and you're Eric medically LaSalle, dead anyway. Him and Eric LaSalle power, power <laughs> fuck that heart, man. And back to life. Uh, Joshua goes on. He says, now, when people are hooked up to the heart and lung machines, as you mentioned, uh, they're what is called brain dead, where pretty much if they are not hooked up to these machines, they will die without them because the brain is not able to send the signals to the body to keep itself alive. Once unplugged, the person will expire. So I suppose as long as they're hooked up to these machines and kept, quote unquote, alive, zombification will not take place. So it, it seems like... Is that a technique you could use to like have someone beat the zombie virus? Like... It feels like cut off their brain from their body. Just keep them on a heart lung machine so they don't actually suffer. They don't actually die and their body will eventually beat the virus. Hmm. I don't know. It, it seems to be what he's saying is that if your body can't keep itself alive by telling, oh, my lungs need to pull in oxygen and uh -huh. my heart needs to continue to pump blood to my brain. Uh huh then those are what those machines are for. But, like, if you're pumping bad blood to your brain, I still think it's going to kill Well, so you're your talking brain. about, so, like, what if, if 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 you got a bite? Yeah. And you're suffering from the raging fever? Because that's the other. There's, like, there's not two versions of the virus. I've always, you know, we've, we've talked about this, and it hasn't been up for a long time because I feel like this is settled. But you got the virus that causes zombieism mm -hmm. that's not triggered by the bite. The bite just is like the bite of a, a Komodo dragon. Sure. It's so rotted and shit-infected that it causes a runaway septic fever that yeah. presumably could be treated. I, I, that's the thing. Like I don't understand I assume, why it yeah. can't be treated. Like If you had a hospital of massive doses of high-end 
antibiotics and antiviral things, maybe it could, it could, your body could. That's why I was thinking, like, if you could just keep the body you going, a specific antibiotic. If you could it, keep yeah. the brain from dying so it couldn't be taken over, would the body? Now, obviously, this wouldn't work if ninety percent of the human population is infected, but could okay. you potentially keep someone on a heart lung machine for them to recover and then, then not being a zombie? I don't know, because I mean, at some point, the fever does so much damage to the brain that that's what kills you, right? So, like, yeah. I, I feel like the damage has to be specific, like, for a heart-lung machine to work. Mm. Like, your brain itself is not necessarily too damaged, but the communication between the rest of your body and your brain is damaged. Yeah, like, so if you suffered physical trauma to where your body could heal, but for whatever reason is giving up the ghost. You put them on a hot, uh, uh, almost at a hot air machine. You put them on a heart-lung machine. <laughs> Uh, hot air machine is the bald move. Yeah, that's Empire. what we're, we're operating on right now. You put now. them on a heart and lung machine, uh, they can recover from that, and they wouldn't actually trip the latent zombie virus thing in their brain because that happens on death. So if they just it suffered does, trauma, yes. no bite or anything like that, uh-huh. they just suffered physical trauma, you put them on, you give them life-saving measures and keep them alive until they recover. I think so. And that's kind of what they do yeah. in The Walking Dead now. They just don't have uh-huh. a heart lung machine to take it to that, but like, you know... Herschel's kept people, you know, breathing and mm-hmm. done chest compressions and stuff. So I guess, yeah, it would work. Probably. Just not against a bite. Yeah, the bites are too infectious. Okay. Uh, Bob says, one of the most overused film tropes to heighten drama slash tension is lack of proper communication. We've talked yes. to death about this, but I want to see if he has any thoughts that we didn't come up with. Uh, he says, I've often heard on this podcast network that TV should be a heightened, more intelligent version of reality. Try. I think I mostly agree with our comments on that. Yeah, if you don't uh, want that, then watch <laughs> reality television. Sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on this episode's characters just unable to relay a simple message across to each other? I think we've we've spelled that out pretty thoroughly. Uh, we do it easily, every day, even in tense situations. Madison is unable to relay to her daughter the possibility of her BF being sick with a dangerous virus, which they just witnessed. Travis is unable to tell his ex that the reason he wants to get his son is because of a dangerous situation and not because he wants to change visitation time. And there are quite a few more in this episode. Sure. It says a TV show should be smarter than this in heightening dramatic slash tense situations. And we give I mean, some examples of where they could do the exact same thing mm-hmm. and we're invested and in, like going along with it rather than rolling our eyes or you know, like as characters act stupidly, I kind of disconnect from them emotionally. Yeah. Because that's what I've learned to do in horror movies. Oh, you're going to split up and enter into the scary cabin alone. You're going to die. So I'm not going to, I mean, you'd be an emotional wreck if you identified that closely. So I don't know. Like maybe you could do it where you, you invest in these characters and then they make like a single stupid decision that gets them killed. And sure. I would be okay with it. Like like Alicia wanting to be with her boyfriend, I don't yeah. think it's something you can rationally talk her out of because it's not a rational thing. You're, you're But yeah. I'm not hating. Now I'm just regretting one character's understandable personality flaw mm-hmm. rather than hating like four people because they can't fucking string three si- words together into a sentence. Sure. So I think they need, again, it's not so much the things that are happening. Uh it's how they're connecting and not they just they, they don't seem like they're interested in it man i know i know they should be we're certainly interested in it yeah uh and finally barely barry c from the uk 
hey guys, episode one sucked, but episode two is great, and I can see the potential in this show now. Huh? Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm opening my mind my, my mind, Barry. All right. He says they've done a good job so far of teasing us with a bunch of stuff where we know more than the characters. We've seen bite marks on first responders without having to see them turn. We've seen nobody knowing the headshots are the only way to deal with walkers, plus all those cool shots last week, which looked like zombies, but were not. All of which works great, because 99% are deep into the main Walking Dead. However, how good would this show be for new viewers who chose to start on Fear the Walking Dead? Would it work as well without our prior context with The Walking Dead, better known as Better Call Saul Syndrome, or Conundrum? What do you think? Well, think, judging by Elizabeth slash potentially Liz G's email, poorly <laughs> is uh-huh. how it does. Poorly, yeah. Um, She's not having fun with it. I mean, I don't... I mean, that's the thing, like... The Walking Dead, I thought, was going to be a zombie show that transcends zombie shows. Okay. Like, it's going to break out that and be genuinely interesting to people that don't even care about horror stuff. Like, bring real drama. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a dramatic situation in and of itself, but bring human drama to it. Yeah, like, there's some people that are fans of, like, gangster movies, and they'll watch any gangster movie and enjoy it. And there's some movies that transcend that and they win oscars and 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 stuff like that like i thought walking dead was capable of being an emmy winning show it's not in its present construction and this doesn't seem on that trajectory either Mm -hmm. capable of being an emmy winning show and there's no reason that should be true there's nothing inherently wrong like look at everyone said about superhero films and science fiction (laughs) and fantasy then you got star wars lord of the rings and fucking iron man and batman and they blow they shatter those genre kind of like confining expectations. Mm-hmm. There's no reason this show can't be that legitimately good. Yeah. That's that's why the people that like, oh, you're a hater, you're a hater. It's like, that's what drives me crazy. I'm not hating The Walking Dead. I want it to push to the next level. Mm-hmm. And here with the clean slate, it doesn't seem like they're interested in doing that, which they're making shit tons of money and millions of people watching. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. I don't think you need to have seen The Walking Dead to enjoy this show. I mean, it has a similar tone. If you've not to seen it. The Walking Dead, I don't know why you would jump on here and enjoy it. That's the counterpoint to that. What is it about The Walking Dead that makes you enjoy this series more? Uh, no, what I'm saying is, if I wasn't open to watching a zombie film, I don't see how, oh, like, for okay. five years, gotcha. I would have avoided watching The yeah, Walking yeah. Dead, and then, like, you know what? Fear the Walking Dead's where I'm going to jump in. Sure, that makes sense. I get that. I don't know because I said the same thing about Breaking Bad, like. When people like when I was always surprised when people like I've never watched Breaking Bad, but I'm watching Better Call Saul and here's the reasons I enjoy it. That's mm-hmm. weird to me. Well, I thought it was weird for the first few episodes because they relied so heavily on that. And also oh, and I don't see the same reliance here on The Walking Dead. And, and also, I guess, like, you know, you got this cultural phenomenon and like you got a potential reboot of it. Like, like this Better Call Saul, like this is a prequel. So it's like, it's probably not going to spoil things too much. Mm-hmm. If anything, I'll find out things are Easter eggs later on and just go over my head. And this is the same way. It's like, okay, this is this, you know, 20 million people are watching it. And it's a big deal. Uh, and it's a reboot or it's a, it's, it's a parallel story. So it's not going to spoil anything for me. Jump in. It just seems like, you know, The Walking Dead that isn't talked about like Mad Men or Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. It's not it's on, yeah. you know, where where it seems like it's a culture phenomenon, although it is like more people watch Certainly. Game three times more people watch Walking Dead than Game of Thrones. But that like, doesn't make it a good show. 
No, but I'm saying it's like it's it's weird that like even amongst our culture, we generally accept it as like this is this is not top shelf product. Hmm. Like, you know the way it's like we've collectively decided. Like I guess sometimes you get into hardcore subreddits and people are like, I don't understand. Like or like this is going to be Andrew Lincoln's Emmy episode. No, you're only saying that because you don't watch any other television. Yeah. Whereas you know people can say that's a straight face about Game of Thrones and all this other stuff. Um, but there again, it's like, yeah, I don't know why you would jump in and watch it, except for you are trying to get part of the zeitgeist. Um, sure. But yeah, like every zombie fan has surely watched The Walking Dead at this point, right? I would right? think so, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that there are more than, you know, 18, 17, 18 million zombie fans out there. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like I'm not a zombie fan. Like I'm con- becoming a horror fan, but I don't think I'll ever be a zombie fan. Hmm. But I watched a show... And I think at this point, like, people ask me this all the time. Like, if I wasn't podcasting The Walking Dead proper, would I still watch it? And my answer is, as long as Rick and Carl are still interesting, like, it's not to me about Daryl. It's not about – it's Rick Mm -hmm. and Carl and their father-son relationship. Uh, So I will see that through the end unless it gets really bad. And I could see them doing something similar with, like, Maddie and Nick. And they can hook me on that kind of, you know, parent child relationship or some kind of character relationship, then then it'll be like some kind of uh, I'll get I'll get caught up and hooked again. But yeah, I wonder if that's part of why The Walking Dead has such a huge audience is because it has so many characters that so many different types of people can identify with. Yeah. In this one scenario, I guess you're going to latch on to somebody. I'm I'm making a bold claim that non zombie fans don't watch The Walking Dead. I bet that's probably not even true probably not like bill simmons isn't a zombie fan but he likes it because he watches it like a popcorn flick and i guess then he never expects anything more from it whereas mate that's always been my problem i was sold on a darabont version yeah and they kind of market it that way and the way the fear the walking dead was talked about like oh this is a different experience and like i was like Mm -hmm. okay well maybe they're going back to that and they're fixing some of the mistakes because yeah, I feel like if you ask Gimple, like, hey, what do you think of the first three seasons of Walking Dead? He would be aware of the flaws. Sure, because he didn't make those, you know. Uh, but I and I thought, you know, like Kirkman and I, I don't know. I thought that they with a clean slate, they would to build on what works and discard the stuff that doesn't. But now I'm starting to think that I have been watching the wrong show this whole time. <laughs> I think maybe The Walking Dead was a lot of people's first introduction to zombies Mm -hmm. and has made a lot of zombie fans. Mm. Uh, Whereas before they've always been kind of seen as a niche or something that's schlocky and not to be taken seriously. So I don't know why this is true. I know I've listened to several smart guys talk about why zombies appeal to the culture at large, the fear of the other and like, you know, brainless hordes and all this stuff. And, Mm -hmm. but it does seem like regardless of why it is true that zombies are bigger than any other horror element right now. And they've, and then they've had sure. staying power. Cause I remember us debating in the first season of the walking dead, whether the zombie wave is going to cross crest, uh, you know, and, and that was going to harm the walking dead. No, no people fucking love zombies. They love zombie modes in games. They love games about zombies. They love shooting zombies. They like dressing up as zombies. Yeah. They like all that stuff. And I don't, I, this might be 
like a standing wave in our culture that it just never goes away. Yeah, I feel like the tendrils of of zombie fiction are reaching out into other areas. You know, it's not like it started with movies and it was books to a certain degree, but now it's like like you said, video games, and I I kind of see it getting more and more nichey. You know, like the people who are really into zombie stuff now are doing like zombie walks and mm-hmm. stuff like that, where they've taken their fandom to the next level, kind of in a response. Yeah. Zombie to, 5k runs to, and... yeah. The mainstreaming mm-hmm. of, of zombies. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, I'm a real zombie fan. Cause I did a sure. zombie 5k sure. tough, tough mutter zombie competition yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas you just watch the walking dead. Sure. You've always got that kind of hipsterfication or scenester. Yeah. yeah the scenester stuff in any kind of pop culture thing. And but, it's been doing that for a while. It's like, I guess I so. assume zombies are going to be something like uh, a wave that goes back and then recedes, where it's more like a genre like Western. Like, okay. you know, people were obsessed about Westerns back in the day, but it never and, and it's not so much nowadays, but it never went away. It's incorporated into science fiction with like, you know, Han Solo and Firefly. And it's oh, it's yeah. it's like more, you know, you have more serious pieces like Unforgiven and and, you know, 310 to Yuma and all these other stuff where but mm-hmm. it's it's not ever going like no one. Will, there's never going to be a day where you can the no people stop making like Westerns like we're sick of it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, I feel like maybe that's what zombies it's going to be its own kind of genre that gets thrown into the cultural uh blender and remixed yeah. and taken seriously and not seriously and but but it doesn't seem like it's ever going to going to going to go away we'll see forever's a long time that's all i got for emails so all right. that's it for the podcast uh do you want to do some outro stuff sure if uh you'd like to send us more feedback great way to do so is watching dead at baldmove.com you can also go to our forums at forums.baldmove.com and uh, join the discussion there you can follow us along on Facebook and Twitter. Great way to find out when our posts drop because as soon as we hit the submit button, it blasts out on that social media. So you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, yeah, we will see what happens with the third episode. Yeah, nobody's seen this one, right? This no, next one? I don't. Yeah, I think the critics, uh, nobody. It was the first two episodes that they saw. Okay. Who knows? Maybe they'll they'll turn it around completely. Kind of telling, we'll kind of telling, Seppenwall didn't write up anything on this. Huh. He's made the decision that I think he's off it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty early decision to make. He's a busy guy, and the fall is kind of packed. I don't know if you noticed this. It is. So. All right, cool. Well, we'll be back uh, when Walking Dead comes back. Fear the Walking Dead comes back in two weeks, September 13th, right after the episode for an instant cast. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. 